Hello and welcome to the Comeback Nation podcast. Today's guest is Kike Onewinde and she's the founder and CEO of BYP Network, a digital platform that she set up three years ago. And it's been described as the LinkedIn for Black professionals. And what it does is it connects students, professionals and entrepreneurs with one another as well as with corporations, and offers a range of products, including a social network app, podcasts, and networking events that attract major names such as Facebook. And today, the BYP network has over a staggering 40,000 members all around the world. So I just want to give a huge welcome to Kike, who is doing amazing (laughs) things. Well, Are you clapping? <laughs> yes, in, <laughs> we actually have a little clap sound that comes on for every guest. So there'll also be a <laughs> sound that's put laid over it as well. And I am also clapping. Yeah. So huge welcome to you. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well as well as anyone can be during this lockdown. But just grateful for good health and, you know, family being healthy as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think definitely right now is a time for gratitude, mm-hmm. a time to reframe and establish the right perspective on things. So yeah, it's so great to have you on. It would just be good to, you know, learn a bit about your journey and, you know, examples or times that you've, you know, really faced setbacks or disappointments in, in that journey. Yeah, sure. I guess I can give the listeners a bit of background on who I am, kind of what I do now, and then kind of go deeper into, I guess, some of the key areas that have made me who I am today. So, you know, as mentioned, I am the founder and CEO of BYP Network. We connect Black professionals with each other and corporations. This all started after my experience of studying abroad um, at the University of Florida. And funny enough, that is actually my comeback story. The fact that, you know, I was an athlete, I was a Great Britain javelin thrower and I gained a full track and field scholarship to University of Florida, where I was competing for them out there in the NCAA Division One. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and this was on like, uh, you know, 100K basically scholarship. Very expensive when you see the, <laughs> you know, the details. And I think that was quite overwhelming for me. I'd say that was the first real investment in me. And it was kind of like, oh my God, are they sure? You know, I think... You kind of call it imposter syndrome now, but I didn't know that's what it was called at the time. Yeah, before I I guess I get into that story, but it was from my kind of that experience that was the start of starting BYP Network um, and growing the business to what it is today. And, you know, just, I guess, my vision and focus in terms of of BYP Network. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, I was reading on your website that it was sort of meeting you know, really talented people of colour who were just excellent in what they were doing that sort of motivated you to to start BYP Network? Yeah, so that's part of it. So yeah, when I was out in Florida, um, I just kind of felt like, wow, you know, all these um, people that I'm meeting, these new friends, you know, just incredible people. And I would never have met them if I didn't get that scholarship. You know, it's kind of like, wow, like if I didn't get that scholarship, I would not have met these people. And it just felt like there's so many people around the world who are amazing that we should all be meeting, you know, in the black community that we don't see on the news, we don't see anywhere. Because, you know, if you're not kind of in the sporting world or musician, you don't really see representation. You don't see what else people are doing. And so it was kind of like, okay, wow, like there's all these amazing people here. I'll see back home in London. I know loads, I've got great friends and, you know, I know people are doing big things too. I've worked in fintech. I've worked in banking. 
and DNI is not great. You know, you don't see many people that look like us on the floor. And it's just that realization that, hold on, you know, I, I didn't know that this was the reality for black people. You know, growing up, if you grow up in a predominantly black area, you just live your best life. You're happy. You've got mm. your friends. But you don't realize that as soon as you kind of maybe go to university or you go to the world of work, that actually we're like not visible. And I think that realization was very much like, okay, I'm a young professional. How do I meet other people just like myself or people who are doing extraordinary things around the world? Um, and that's kind of where the idea of BYP Network came from. It was like, you know what? We need to connect around the globe. We need to see each other. We need to understand um, how to navigate the corporate sector or if we have outside passions, how we can grow it and, and you know, just really grow as a community. Um, and on top of that as well, there was the whole situation with police brutality in America, obviously knife crime in the UK, and just my general feeling towards Africa of like, you know, how do we, like, how can we be part of the solving, you know what I mean, solving some of the problems? How do we connect back to Africa or how do things change? And it was kind of like, you know, I feel like only we as Black people can really focus on our problems and solve it. And so all of that came together to kind of bring the idea of starting BYP Network, which was a global platform essentially for Black professionals. Fantastic. So you essentially sort of identified a problem and you set about trying to solve it. Yeah, 100%. It was kind of like, what's my biggest vision of like for the Black community? If we want things to be different for the next generation, for you know my future children and other people's future children, what can we do now instead of leaving it as it is and just hoping for change? So I felt like it needed to be quite a proactive approach with everybody, you know, like not one person is enough to make that difference or to solve our problems, but actually it can be a combined effort where we connect and share ideas and start new businesses and, you know, help each other within the world of work or making more money to, again, invest back into our community. So with that idea and that thought process, it, it was like, okay, well, we need to start from somewhere and that somewhere can be, you know, maybe I'll you know, throw an event and see who's interested in coming and then share the vision with them and, you know, start the connection period from there before I move on to trying to go online because I knew it'd be quite difficult to build a platform since I had no experience of ever building anything like that. And were you ever hesitant about it or did you just, you know, know it would work and just went full steam ahead? So I guess the hesitation came, I guess it was a three, four month period where I didn't, I was inactive in a sense of, I had the idea in let's say June 2016, but I didn't, I didn't actually do the first event until November 2016. And the reason being is I had the idea, I told some friends about it. They were all like, yeah, that's amazing. What a great idea. And um, I think I then put together a survey and then surveyed about a hundred people or so, you know, just through my network and their network. And again, it came back like, yeah, this is a really good idea. You should do it. And then I think I kind of was just like, okay, somebody else will do it, I'm sure. <laughs> like it wasn't, you know what I mean? It was just like, okay, like I wasn't really full steam ahead to do it. But then um, what happened is I had friends, you know, a month later or two months later, it was like, what happened to that idea? You know, what, like, you know, where is it? What, what are you doing? And so I had that quite a bit. So I really do, I really am grateful for them, you know, believing in it and kind of pushing me like, why have you not done it? And so that kind of got me back on, okay, let me, you know, let me actually, you know, see what can be done. And I think I went to a few, I'd say competitors events, you know, just to see if maybe they're doing it and maybe, you know, we can join together or maybe again, I don't have to do it. But I straight away saw the difference between my vision and what they were doing. So you know, BYP Network was all about 
kind of friendship and family and union and let's come together and build things and change the world. Whereas some of the events I had gone to was more of like, I don't want to say the word elitism, but very much like, hey, I'm this person, I'm the MD of this company and I'm better than you. It really Mm -hmm. had that vibe. And a lot of networking events do have that vibe. You know, it's very hard to go on your own. And when you do go, you just, some people can can just make you feel less than because of the way they are. Whereas BYP, my mindset was like, actually, everybody should know everyone in that room. Like if I go to an event, I want to know everyone in that room. Who is in that room? Because that's how you build your network. And that's how, you know, you might find the right person in that room. But if you don't get that ability or the host doesn't help you do that, then, you know, it's a wasted networking event. And so that's kind of, yeah, that was the mindset. So in November, I just put together an event and I was quite fortunate because I came across a venue that just allowed me to reserve it, the space versus having to pay for the space. And I think that was a real game changer for me because it was like, okay, it's actually a free space. I just, you know, put some money down for food and drinks, but I don't have to pay like grands to to have the venue and literally put the tickets out. And within three days, like a hundred tickets sold out. And that, that was the moment where it's like, okay, I guess, you know, we're definitely onto something here. This is something that people do need. Yeah, I love that. You know, I, I love how you describe wanting to really drive more value out of networking events because absolutely it can be difficult to, you know, enter environments like that, which, you know, you described as being somewhat elitist or, you know, I'm better than you. And actually that's that's the reason I started this podcast, to have a space where people can be a bit more honest and vulnerable mm. about setbacks, challenges, because they do happen. And at times at some of these networking events, you only ever see the success you don't always hear about the real stumbling blocks along the journey. So on that note, if we rewind a bit to your time in Florida and you're on, on scholarship and you're excellent at Javelin, tell us a bit about that experience and some of the setbacks you experienced you had while you were there. Yeah, sure. So I guess even before Florida, um, you know, sports is difficult. Like sports is, uh, is very mental. It's very kind of obviously physical and draining. And you have to have a real deep belief in yourself in order to participate in sport and keep training hard. So the belief is like, I, you know, I can be the best ever athlete in the world or javelin thrower, which was my sport. Um, and that was a real belief of that, right? Like mm-hmm. I can be an Olympic champion. And that's what you have in your brain. And that's what you're working towards all the time. Um, so essentially how I got my scholarship to Florida was I had a year in Nottingham. So when I did my undergrad, where I broke my back, <laughs> you know, I was like out for six months. It was a really, wow. you know, hard period of time. But I was able to come back in that following year by just like training hard, like literally every day, you know, and just even in my grades, turning my grades around to get my 2-1. So a lot happened that year, which again is its own comeback story, technically. Mm -hmm. But because of that year, I had a really good performance. And then that's when I got my scholarship to America. So it was quite overwhelming for me in a sense of like, oh my God, are they sure? You know, kind of what I mentioned earlier, like, this is incredible. Like, is this really going to happen? It kind of felt a bit surreal. You know, when you think of Florida, you think of the weather, you know, the campus was beautiful from what I saw online. And it was kind of like, you know, why would they want me? <laughs> like I said, like imposter syndrome. So yeah, I kind of went there with the kind of mindset of like, I'm super excited. I'm happy to be here. But then kind of like, oh my God, I need to really show that I can do this. Or like, you know, I, I can be the best. You know, that kind of wanting to prove yourself almost because, you know, you've been given this great opportunity, but then... In trying to do so, you actually do the opposite because you're you're quite tense. Like I, I I'd say, I was full of anxiety. 
So I was always like at training, I just always felt tense because I'm just like, oh my God, I want to, you know, show them I could be really, really good. Even though I was good, mm-hmm. but that wasn't taken into consideration for me. I was trying to be good, you know, just to show that I can be. And so literally it was just, I remember my first year there. So I joined in January, but the training season actually starts in August. So technically I missed a good four months of training with them. And I had my own training from back home. But when you kind of get there, again, the weather is different. The training is different. It's a lot more intense. The recovery period is different. It's a whole new environment with a new team, new coach. It's a process that Mm -hmm. I didn't even think I'd have to process. It wasn't anything I thought about. So even the adjustment period, I remember like I was like getting injured all the time in like the first four months of being there. So like wow. we'd, we'd be like jogging or something and my, my leg will go or, <laughs> you know, I, I remember I scratched my ankle with my spikes and right. had a gaping hole. <laughs> and I still got the scar now to be fair. Um, yeah. You know, my ankle or my wrist will go. And it just seemed like, you know, someone who just seemed like a complainer or like, they, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like they're making it up now. That's how it actually seemed, even though I wasn't. Like, <laughs> everything was just like breaking in my body and obviously that's already not good I'm here trying to prove myself and um, I'm like injured every other day I remember once I think my back just so many things happened and then I wasn't performing right so I wasn't thrown as far as I knew I could and as they knew I could and when I say performing I was still you know I was one of the best in the UK I was one of the best in NCAA that's why I got my scholarship as a master's student Right. But I went there to be like the number one, right? So in sports, it's like all or nothing. It's number one is what you're going for. Mm-hmm. And if you don't really get that, you just, you don't really feel like you've achieved. As sad as that sounds, you know, even if it is incredible things that you achieve. So I went there, you know, with the desire of being like NCAA division one champion, which is like the, you know, the top you could be in college sports. I just, again, like I said, I just couldn't perform properly. So I remember I had a competition where things finally came together. But then I, I like fell over the line. So there's a line in javelin which you can't cross, you know, in order for it to be valid. Yeah. But I like fell over the line. I like tripped. I, that's nothing. I kept falling down. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's funny. It's funny was, for me to recognize. Forces against you. And honestly, <laughs> I'm laughing now when I think back to the experience because it was just like, oh my God, Kika, who was that girl? Like, yeah. it just honestly, like, javelin was so easy for me. Like, I would, like I said, I came already, like, being, like, England champion, national champion from the age group. Like, I had done so well already to get to, I had represented Great Britain. So it was very, like I said, I very much deserved the scholarship, but it just, it was, I generally battled imposter syndrome, which mm-hmm. is also... Which is a mental thing, right? Like this anxiety is, it's, this is all mental because I have the physical capabilities of doing things. And I guess with that mental, that's what led to all the like injuries. And that's what led to, you know, me just feeling tense all the time. So I didn't reach my targets. And, and the thing about not reaching my targets, others knew, knew I didn't reach my target, right? So maybe right. externally it looked good to some, but those within, like, you know, Kike's here to be number one. She has that ability to be number one, but she's not number one. You know, like I think in the championship, I didn't, I didn't make my final. So that in itself is like, I should have, I shouldn't even just made the final, I should have won. Like, mm-hmm. anyway, that's my own view, right? At least a medalist. <laughs> How did you process some of those things though? Did you sort of take it to heart or did you just think, you know, these are just some setbacks, I'm going to keep going? How did you honestly kind of deal with that? Because you've flown 
halfway across the world, there's a lot of expectations on you and things seem to be just not quite working. You know, at the time, at the time, it was very difficult. You know what I mean? It was like, I'm someone who's already hard on myself. Like anyone that knows me, like I'm super like linear, very focused and very much like, I believe what I believe, like I can do this. Like I know I have that potential. Yeah. And I'm very much a believer of reaching potential. You know, I can feel if I haven't, I can, I know if I'm not given enough or doing enough. Yeah. So I think it was very hard because I'd never been in that position in my life at that time before. Like I've always been, you know, a high achiever, a high performer. So I, I, I can always do it against the grain. So like I said, I had that back injury, but I overcame it the following year and, you know, smashed the personal best and, and just, you know, got my grade. Like I've always been that person who, no matter what, I, I will, it will be over, it, the, you know what I mean? Like I will overcome it. That's always it. So I think what was hard for me in that period was that, like, I couldn't see me overcoming it. Like it wasn't being overcome. <laughs> like, I, like, when is that good competition? It hasn't come yet. Like, why, why is this happening? So actually it was very difficult. And obviously I got the scholarship to America. So I still have my UK base of people who again are aware that I'm in America and kind of expecting big things. And kind of like you come back to the UK of like people like knowing that, okay, this girl didn't perform out there. <laughs> but funny enough, but again, before I even went, to be fair, I was warned by some coaches and people like, you know, a lot of people go out to America and they don't do so well because yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very big mental thing. And also the training is 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 a lot more intense than the UK. So yeah. it was something I was told, but again, you don't take it and believe it, right? You're like, okay, that's them. It's not me. <laughs> Until it became me. So mm. it's a very common thing for that to happen to UK athletes go out there and not do as well as they thought. And, and it's funny because you think you would do better, right? Because I went from training on my own for a year, you know, literally I had no coach in, in Nottingham final year when I made my... Um, so when I turned it around, I got my personal best. So I thought, okay, I'm going to an environment where I'm going to have a coach. I'll have great weather. I have medical, I have athlete food and athlete dining, you know, like everything's given to me. Everything's set um, Yeah. So I just didn't see why I couldn't, I could not process why I wouldn't be like, be exceptional. Because if I was already doing great without all of that, I must be, I must do much better with it. So it was, yeah, it was a complete shock for me, shocked my system. And, and I said this to someone before on a different podcast. I didn't go into detail like this, but problem with, I guess, being a high achiever is that nobody believes you. And what I mean by that is that if I'm telling my family and friends back home that it's not going so well, I'm not performing great, like, you know, I just, it's, I don't know what's going on. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. You're always fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is understandable because I was always fine, right? Like, that's what I meant. Like that is normally what happens, but this time around it just wasn't that. So yeah, so at it was times, very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just at times being a high achiever can almost work against you because you are constantly achieving well. You, you know, as you said, you don't always get the support you need when you're not, and it can almost feed into not achieving as well as you want. So it's it's a very interesting and curious phenomenon that one. Exactly. So yeah, that's, I guess that was, yeah, the, the, it was, it was very difficult and I just never performed to the level I wanted to in the time I was there. But, but to be fair, another thing with sports is that when you do change coaches, there is meant to be a two year period of change where it takes two years for you to kind of adapt to the new coach's style and right. then you'll start seeing results. So yeah. I, I mean, I went in for just a year and a half. So I didn't even stand a chance technically for that change to happen on top of the fact that it was another country, you know, there was new added pressure and I'm far away from home. So 
I didn't really take all that on board. Like, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not someone who thinks on statistics or, or the reality of things. I think, oh, yeah, I should be fine regardless. In terms of coming back, I mean, my scholarship was my, I got my master's degree and that was, like, I only had two seasons out there. So that was part of my scholarship. You're meant to normally have four seasons, but because I had uh, already done my undergraduate degree in Nottingham, and funny enough, because I had one year of injury in Nottingham, that allowed me to have two years in Florida. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have got my scholarship because the way NCAA works is you get four years in total from the time that you start university, mm. no matter where you are. So weirdly, that setback when I had my broken back actually was, was a blessing in disguise because it gave me my two years in Florida or a year and a half. So once it was done, it was, it was um, essentially done. But in terms of results, okay, I ended up being like top 20 in NCAA Division One and top five in my school's history, like University of Florida history is javelin thrower. And then I came back to the UK and I was like England silver medalist and again, like top five in the country. So those stats sound good to any external person. But mm-hmm. I think the key thing was that like, I went there to be number one and I was recruited there to be number one. So I think it's that expectation versus the reality. Um, But I guess my kind of comeback was the fact that even though that all happened and, you know, it was quite tough for me as like my sport, I saw that that is my future, that's the vision. But, you know, that gave me the idea of BYP Network, right? Like my scholarship gave me the the idea of BYP Network. I could never have predicted that that I would have gone there and met so many incredible people. And my master's course had entrepreneurship modules as well, which I really enjoyed. And the fact that I then came back to UK and all things encompassing is, is gave me that ability to start BYP. So I think, so it sounds weird as a comeback. It's not a comeback as in like I came back and I became Olympic champion. (laughs) (laughs) But it's more of a comeback of like, you actually, you know, don't know what the future holds. And I guess this kind of goes into... I'm sure what you'll ask next about like the next top three things people can take away. But definitely you don't know what the future can hold. Like I could never have predicted this would be my life. You know, I get that question a lot. Like, did you, did you plan to be an entrepreneur? Did you, you know, dream about BIP network from the get-go? And it's like, no, this was very random. And I guess that is everything happens for a reason. I, I thought I got my scholarship to, you know, go to Olympics, but I guess I got my scholarship to then start BIP network and focus on, changing the black narrative so you just you you can never know and then I'd say you know that's why number two would be like trusting the process and trusting the journey and that all things will work out so I guess I wasn't trusting of the journey I was thinking what's going on here this is not like me why is things changing I'm so used to a routine of bouncing back bouncing back but I'm not bouncing back here but with that it, it, it was part of the journey. Javelin was a huge part of my journey to becoming an entrepreneur because all the skills that I learned from being a sportswoman and performing on the highest level and balancing, you know, training with academics and all those things that I got is what propelled me into entrepreneurship and having that bigger vision and global vision because I've studied abroad and I've seen how they do things there. You know, again, never could have predicted that. And again, I guess it's all very similar because my final one would be just to be guided by faith. You know, I always like to say, I feel like I'm walking on the path that's already laid out for me. So I feel like I'm very guided, you know, and I am very much like, okay, I take decisions based on the way I feel, or you know, like that sense, if that makes sense. So it's like, just trust, have that faith, feel guided, really, 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 really walk on a path and a journey, be intentional with it. 
um, and all things will really work out. Like no matter what's happening in your life and that doesn't make sense, it will make sense later on. You just have to really be trusting. Awesome. So trust the journey and the process. Uh, everything happens for a reason and also be guided by faith. Yeah. A running theme <laughs> in there, which is just to trust. Fantastic. Thank you so much for those points, Kike. I mean, I just want to let people know how they can connect with Kike and you can find her on Twitter as at BYP Network app, but also her full name. And also check out BYP Network. Uh, Their website is byp-network.com. Um, so just another huge thank you to you, Kike. It's been so wonderful to learn about this journey and your amazing achievements that, you know, even I know you said saying it to external people, it, it sounds amazing and it does. Uh, you know, it sounds <laughs> like you reached the Olympics to me. By the <laughs> but I just want to leave everyone with a quote, as I usually do. And the, uh, this episode's quote is from Nelson Mandela. And he said that the greatest glory in living lies not in never failing, but in rising every time we fall. So I hope you're encouraged to rise, everyone, and that you're inspired by today's episode. Until next time. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.